We are knee deep into March and it being a Friday means we have another great CEO gracing the podcast. We bring you Anna Kakuba, the CEO who's helping you express your persona through sense. Welcome to this episode of Meet the CEO. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial. Anna Kakuba is the CEO of Alexa 256 and Chic Chic Chiki G. And today she joins us to talk business growth, networking, and the dreaded transition from employment to self employment. Who is Anna Kakuba? Anna Kakuba is a Jill of a number of trades. I am also a finance major who has worked in procurement, in logistics, in fashion in tax consultancy and is now currently um, a full-time independent tax consultant and an entrepreneur who owns two businesses. That is uh, Elixir, which is an online fragrance store, and um, Chic Chic Chic, which is an online jewelry store. You made the transition from employment to owning your own business. What was the transition like? Uh, regarding transitioning from a workplace into self-employment, um, so I, I was working with uh, a big four firm for about six years in the tax department. And, um, I transitioned out of, um, employment March last year. And, um, of course it was a giant, giant leap of faith, uh, given that I was leaving, um, a really good job in the pandemic to, you know, start hustling with you know, the rest of the entrepreneurial world. But um, I, I, I feel like it was a challenge that I needed to take on because I feel like the se- this season of my life calls me to do just that. Um, I'm one of those people who never says never. I mean, 10 years down the line, you could hear I, I got a job somewhere else. So, um, but as of now and, and the dream is being realized now and I'm hoping that that will be the dream you know that I carry with me all the way uh to my last days uh is that now I'm an entrepreneur and um of course I think it was a blessing that my dad told me not to go into entrepreneurship right out of business school because that was the goal then um uh, but he told me it's best that I pick up some skills from employment which I picked from the various places that I worked um, but, um, of course, most of the skills also coming from the last place that I worked because that's, uh, the place that I was at the longest. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's been a good transition because I feel like I was also ready for it, uh, emotionally, uh, financially. Um, I, I feel like even physically I was ready to, you know, be an entrepreneur. Because with entrepreneurship, uh, as as much as you've had all about the late nights at the audit firms and whatnot, I feel like it's pretty much the same thing on the entrepreneurship side. Only that with the entrepreneurship side, you you don't have a report to hand in in the morning, but you are sitting down to strategize and figure out how to you know survive um, in the next couple of months or in the next two years, or you know you're trying to come up with strategies and you're trying to figure out how to, you know, uh, make money and stay afloat in the business and, you know, do all these things that you plan for your business. So um, 
there wasn't more like a cultural shock in the transitioning. Um, I'm just glad that there were so many lessons that I could, um, you know, put in in my business right now that were coming from the employment side of things. Um, you know, certain discipline that came with being employed, uh, knowing that, you know, you have to do things within a certain time. Um, and and as much as I don't have a boss to report to, I, you know, for example, in my consultancy work, I still have clients to respond to and to report to because, you know, they give you their work and you have to give them, you know, a deliverable in a certain time. Or even with the clients for the perfumes, if you tell them that, you know, you'll have this delivered in a, in a certain time to make sure that you keep your word, um, you know, to sit down and make sure that you have done the reporting, any reports that are required for the business, because I'm the one who's also doing that part of things. I have to sit down and make sure that I am very consistent in doing these things. And uh, not only when I, you know, I have a burst of energy to do them, I have to do them even on days that I don't feel like doing them. So that discipline that comes out of being employed, uh, just, you know, putting it into the the business has been very helpful. So, yeah, I I feel like the transition has been quite smooth, if I, you know, I must say. Um, but I'm also very grateful that I came from a place that, you know, it really puts you, it puts you through the crucible and, you know, you, you, you really go through the fire and, um, uh, you come, you come out on the other side of better person. Walk us through your journey with Elixir 256 and Chic, 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 UG. Why perfumes, scents and jewelry. So I'll start with Elixir 256. I come from a family of fragrance lovers. And so with that, I've been able to appreciate a lot of different perfumes for uh, quite a long time, I must say. So what happened is, of course, um, you can't just start a business because you just loved uh, fragrances. Of course, I, I noticed a need and the need was coming uh, from two angles, uh, at least initially for me. And one was we have a lot of counterfeit products on the market. I think I was I, I was in my first year um, at the farm that I was working at and I was a victim of this sort of situation where I I bought myself a, a Gucci Flora which was actually a counterfeit product uh, and that's a perfume at the time that you know I really really loved so I was really disappointed to spend uh, about a hundred dollars for something that wasn't actually worth it. Uh, then the other thing was also because uh, given that now we have a bit more exposure to information. We have the internet. Uh, people have traveled. Um, Uganda is no longer the country that's closed off from uh, certain luxuries. So people want a good life and a good life comes in so many, um, you know, different variations for different people. So um, just as much as you probably want to eat out at a fancy restaurant, there are people who are starting fragrance uh, collections because maybe that's, the kind of thing that they're into and that number is also growing. Uh, people don't want to 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 wear body sprays anymore. Um, they are aware of what niche products are out there. They have the information. So now um, I just come in to provide the product, to provide this thing that they're always thinking about and dreaming about. And uh, yeah, so for me, it was from the angle of we had a lot of counterfeit products and then also there was a need for the products in the market. Um, for Chic, 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 
uh, that was, well, I could say that was started because I loved earrings. Uh, I'm the kind of person who probably wear two pairs of earrings a day. But then that also uh, came into the fact that I noticed that good earrings do not have to be so expensive. And um, of course, I'm not trying to sell gold here or silver or, you know, any of the precious metal um, jewelry. I'm selling uh, mostly stainless steel earrings because those have a very big market in the country. Uh, very few people want to buy gold or silver because one, I mean the price. And if you are looking at quantities in terms of having as many earrings as you feel like, it might not be very feasible for you to buy precious metal um, earrings. I mean, unless, of course, you can afford it, uh, of which if we look at the economy and we look at uh, the population, um, that's a, a very select few uh, Ugandans who, who would be able to do that. Uh, but stainless steel still uh, being among the hypoallergenic um, uh, materials for earrings still creates a, a very good market. And uh, since the price of these earrings is not exorbitant, uh, it also widens the, the bracket of people who can actually afford these things. So you're looking at school children who have saved up their 15,000. You're looking at uh, campus girls. You're looking at boyfriends of the campus girls. You're looking at uh, moms. You're looking at aunts. You're looking at so many people who will actually uh, want these uh, these earrings. So for me, uh, I figured that the market was there and it indeed is is available. Um, uh, and so many women want to to you know wear something that's unique, but something that doesn't break the bank. So when those two things merge, then it creates it creates a a, a good market for chic chic chic. There is such a niche market for perfumes. How have you navigated the market and been able to thrive? Yeah, I agree with uh, perfumes, especially in Uganda. Yes, we do have a niche market. Um, also because of, you know, the pricing of most of these perfumes. But um, the things that I have done to try and, and navigate and, and it, you know, to, to try and stay afloat in the market have been, number one, to, to network. Um, I think networking is, is, a, is a very, very, very important aspect to any business because... Um, you see, when you start out in a business, not everybody knows you and you need the right people to know you. You need the, your, your, you know, the focus group you're looking into to know you. So what does that mean? It means you might have to attend events even when you don't want to attend them. Uh, but just, you know, to show face, to speak about your products, to, you know, for people to just know, first of all, what it is that you do. Um, the, 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 the second thing was also, um, to put information out about the perfumes. So on my Instagram, I have um, highlights where I have recorded uh, certain stories, Instagram stories, where I explain certain aspects of perfume. And uh, for a person who's intrigued about the product and may not really, you know, may not have been intrigued before, uh, you know, that's how then they become my target market as well, is because, because they might have the disposable income they did not know that, you know, they needed perfume that much until probably they watched a video and they were like, oh, you know, this is actually an interesting product that I should look into. Um, the other thing is, of course, to look at the trends. Um, in accounting, there is something uh, called calculating your uh, reorder quantities. So what I do is I also look at the perfume and the way it moves, the way the stock moves. So some perfumes are very popular and it, it only makes more sense for you to 
you know, keep bringing more of those. And then some, you know, even if you advertise, even if you get the biggest billboard in town, people might not be that interested in that perfume either because, you know, it just, you know, it just from the way it looks, it probably doesn't appeal to people. They don't really know that much about it. The ones who seek knowledge about those perfumes um, haven't had the best reviews about it. So um, when you look at the trends, I, I usually also like to look at them uh, from a money uh, perspective, because also in terms of cash flow, I don't want my capital tied um, buying perfume for the sake of buying it. I need to buy perfume so that I can keep restocking and also keep growing the business. Um, and then, of course, the last thing which uh, I had already briefly spoken about was focusing on the target market. Um, you know, this is very important for any business. If you, you know, if there's an audience that uh, I think we, we usually use this online where we say, you know, the target market. So you have to look at the target market you're looking at uh, you and, and invest heavily in trying to approach them and trying to bridge a gap between your business and these people. Uh, you need to make sure people know about your business. So for example, in the stories that I've been doing, I try to talk about the business and I try to show that I, I definitely know a thing or two about perfume because at the end of the day, someone doesn't want to come to your business and ask you questions and you're as green as they come about the product that you're dealing in. So, and then of course, the other thing is as much as, you know, there's so many perfumes, I, I do also indul indulge myself in the whole process. And that goes um, as far as learning about the perfumes, learning about the different notes so that um, if someone came to me and asked me questions about the different perfumes, I, I also, I, I can add value to them. I add value to them in terms of the, um, you know, the communication with them about the perfumes and how much I know about the perfumes. So yeah, in, in, in that sense, then you, I create, I create for myself a market that is able to help me keep the business afloat. Counterfeits are such a huge drawback in the scent and jewelry market. How much of an impact does this have in sourcing what you get to your final customer? Uh, so counterfeits uh, obviously uh, pose as a threat to the business because, you know, there's a pricing advantage that comes with buying a counterfeit. It's obviously cheaper because it's obviously not coming from uh, the house, the, the original perfumer. So, um, of course, with these, given that not everybody in the market has this information, um, it's, it's, it's easier for the different players in the market who bring in counterfeits to actually hoodwink clients into buying these products. Now, um, of course, also given the, the, the spending capacity of the clients, even with the knowledge of, uh, some of these items being fakes, we'll, you know, go ahead to buy, buy them just to save a buck. Um, but for my business, this also calls, uh, for me to, to be very hands on in terms of quality controls, which goes back to me, uh, indulging myself in the process. So which means that um, I sit down with my supplier. There are certain stores that we buy from. There are certain stores we don't buy from. So if we go to those particular select stores and they don't have an item, I'm obliged to tell my client that, you know, that product is not available um, and maybe they can try elsewhere. They can try their luck elsewhere. Uh, but for me, this is because these are the people that I, have, that I have chosen to work with and because time and time and again, they have proven that their quality um, you know, is up to standard. So it, it, it's, it's easier for me to control the quality from that aspect. And also because um, in case there is an issue, in case there are any issues, I can go back to these people and get a refund. 
um, or, you know, have, have a substitute done so that my client um, doesn't fall prey to this whole counterfeit situation. Uh, and also because, two, the trust equation, again, comes into play. Um, a lot of people have been played in the market by different players who have brought in items that were not up to the standard and, I mean, were basically counterfeits. So to build the trust with these clients, I've had to, of course, um, show them that number one that I'm bringing quality products, and you know I'm I'm willing to refund in case something is not of of standard. But also um, to tell them more about the product, to tell them in case uh, they come to me and ask me is this product authentic, I can teach them how to look out for the authenticity of the product. Um, yeah, so with with counterfeits in the market, it also means that you who's dealing in the authentic products needs to up your game because with your target market, you need to be able to speak to them, to disseminate knowledge about uh, authenticity of products and to also make sure that whatever it is you're getting from the supplier meets the standard. You need to have a select few people who you're dealing with, not dealing with anybody just so that you can, you know, meet a market demand. So for me, it, it, it all comes down to if I can't meet a demand, I will, I will have to be very upfront about it. So if the customer is willing to wait till, you know, um, a product is available to me to sell to them, then that's fine. If they aren't willing to wait, then, you know, tough luck. Um, but but yeah, so that's that's how much of an impact counterfeits have had on Alexa. What changes would you like to see in the industry? Uh, changes in the uh, industry. I'd like to see more collaboration uh, from the the big houses that that, that provide these perfumes. With, um, you know, the top sellers in the market, uh, I've seen Tom Ford and, uh, I think Estee Lauder and, uh, Yves Saint Laurent going into Kenya and they have partnered with influencers. And I think some of, um, the sellers, the top sellers in the market, uh, to, to also push their products. I think these, these, these are very, um, good collaborations. Number one, they're putting, they're showing interest in the market, uh, in Kenya. So we also do have a market for perfumes here. And I think it would be interesting to see, um, you know, these brands collaborate with influencers, in, uh, collaborating with sellers, uh, to, you know, show some interest in the, in the market in Uganda. Um, the other thing would be around quality control. There's so many counterfeits on the market. And these days, the counterfeits do not say that they're replicas of the original formulation, which, uh, scares me because, um, most of these counterfeits have items that, uh, create health concerns. And, um, I do not know whether the regulator is, 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 you know, taking this a bit seriously, but I know in other countries, uh, to sell counterfeits, it's 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 more like you're trying to move contraband, and you know you're doing it sneakily. Uh, you're not doing it out in the open. So, I feel like that that's something that should also be uh, looked into. What's the expansion plan for Elixir Two Five Six and Chic 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 UG? In terms of expansion for the businesses, uh, for Elixir, the first thing which also goes into the changes that we've spoken about is collaboration with. Uh, international brands uh, to bring uh, perfume here and, you know, to, to be among the official retailers for their perfume. Um, also looking into creating um, elixirs on perfume 
uh, line and um, also creating a bigger market because, again, um, I, I don't think that the market is only you know, is 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 only small because of pricing. I think it also goes down into how much people know about perfumes. So one of 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 the things that we're looking into uh, is to to create as as much awareness on perfume uh, just to build the market. Um, and then in terms uh, of uh, for chic chic chic, we're looking at uh, starting to carry local designer jewelry. So. You know, aside from me sourcing from all over the place, I also want to uh, be in a position to help um, local brands. Uh, there are people who are making very, very fine jewelry, very beautiful jewelry. So I want to build a market that will also be um, able to attract different local designers who will pique the interest in giving me their unique pieces for me to to also uh, sell them to um to, to a bigger market. That was Anna Kakuba, CEO of Elixir 256 and Chic, 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 UG. A quick review of Yellow Stories making it into the podcast. The Nigerian government will draw $2.2 billion from the Eurobond it issued last September and add to the proceeds of fresh domestic borrowing this year to fund the fuel subsidy. Finance Minister Mrs. Ahmed Amina said Nigeria will not explore the Eurobond market in 2022. This January, the government climbed down from a previous vow to halt a subsidy regime, opting to prolong it by a year and a half in order to forestall a potential civil resistance in the prelude to the 2023 presidential election. And a quick look at the market. Brand crude futures rose as much as 8% to above. $105 $105 per barrel on Thursday after falling for three straight sessions after a Kremlin spokesperson denied rumors of major or denied reports of major progress in talks over Ukraine and the IEA warned that Russia's oil output may decline by about a quarter next month. U.S. oil is still heading for a second straight week of losses and remains more than 20% below a record high of $139 reached on March 7th amid a surprise jump in U.S. crude inventories, signs of progress in the Russia-Ukraine peace talks and fears of slowing China demand due to COVID-induced lockdowns. Chinese authorities stick with their COVID-0 strategy to curb a resurgence of Omicron infections, with restrictions on movements being imposed in Shanghai, Shenzhen, Jilin and Lafang. Meanwhile, the latest IEA data shows U.S. crude stockpiles climbed 4.3 million barrels a week, defying analyst expectations for a decline of 1.4 million barrels. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. <laughs> <laughs>